John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says this, All that the Father has given me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly, no ever, not ever, cast him out. He loves you. He wants you. The divine exchange. Hey, what's going on? It's Sean and the Word. Hey, God bless you. Uh, glad to be back with you. Today we're going to talk about the divine exchange part four. He was rejected so that we, so that I could be accepted. And when we're talking about divine exchange, we got to be reminded that the divine exchange is uh, Jesus taking uh, our trash and giving us heaven's treasure. And uh, we could see this thought or understanding as in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul gives us an example. He says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus took on our sin so that him taking our sin, carrying up our sin, that we can be made the righteousness of God, that we can have his righteousness. He paid our price so that we can have his reward. He died our death so that we can live his life. And uh, today we're going to talk about rejection, that he was rejected so that we can be accepted. Uh, when my mother was pregnant with me, my dad was was married at the time, and he had left his wife, and he was staying with my mom and, and our family in a small house and in our hometown. And, you know, it was, a, it was a tough time. It was an uncertain time for everybody and uh, not comfortable situation by any means, but it was true love. And when my mom got pregnant with me, my dad was at the same time going back to his wife, and his wife had became pregnant as well. And his wife was having some issues with uh, his, his his daughter, and she had to give birth early. So my dad left my mom and went back to his wife and his family. And, of course, I was born not, not too long after. My mom, during that time, my mom ended up giving her life to the Lord and being baptized. And God just amazingly has blessed my mom through that situation. It was actually what my mom had been praying for. But for me, as, as my dad's son, there was this rejected spirit that was within me, that m- me being my uh, dad's son, him having me, but yet not wanting me, leaving me and rejecting me, it made me feel rejected my entire life. It was awful. It was an awful feeling to have, to always feel unlovable in, in a sense. It was not easy. There, it... it, it it was a wall that became erected around my heart and around my mind. I wouldn't allow people to get close to me because of the thought that if they knew me or if they got close to me, that they would reject me or they wouldn't want me and they would leave and there would be more pain. So there's this wall, this this wall that was erected that wouldn't allow others to love me, would not allow others to get near because of that spirit of rejection. The idea of feeling rejected comes from a dad who who had me, but the decision to never want me to be a part of my life. What also tags along with rejections is feelings of unlovable, as I said earlier. The idea that you're not lovable, and if anyone really gets close or knows you or even would get to, 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 to know you, that they'll reject you. When I got saved, I had this love inside of me. As I had talked about this about 2002, 
uh, I had this love, man, when Jesus came in, the Bible says that he, he fills us to the fullness with his Holy Spirit, and it's an, it's an immersion, a pouring out of his love. I had this love inside of me that I had never experienced to, to love other people. I loved doing things for people and, and, and offering things and being there and serving people. I just loved it, man. It was just such a joy about it. But what I noticed was that I was never really able to receive love. I could give it, but I wasn't able to receive it. See, even in, through that salvation experience, I still had that spirit of rejection. I still felt as though I was unlovable. One afternoon, I was praying, and that dramatically changed. I was praying and I was reading some scripture and I came across this powerful scripture that's well known in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. Jesus is telling parables throughout this chapter and he says this in verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. If you look back over Matthew chapter 13, you'll know that uh, the beginning of it talks about a parable of the sower and or, or the seed, some would call it. And as you just kind of follow that parable and the definition of Jesus, Jesus says that the man who goes out sowing, the sower himself, is the son of man. And the seed is his word. And it talks about, you know, how what that seed produces when it's on certain levels of ground or in certain people's hearts or in lives. And to follow that thought and the way that Jesus said that parable and then define that parable, we would have to kind of say, well, the merchant, a merchant going out looking for pearls of great value, surely has to be the son of man, has to be Jesus. That Jesus came and he came looking for pearls of great value, plural, many valuable the, the the idea of their worth is, is can't be fathomed a merchant the son of man came looking for pearls of great value now we know that he didn't come actually looking for pearls he didn't come looking for treasure he came looking for hearts for souls for lives for people for you and for i and it says that jesus came to to look for and to save the lost, came to look and to save people, to reconcile us into the, to the Father. This is powerful because he loves us. He's, look, he sees this intrinsic value in us that we don't even see in ourselves. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 46. He finds one pearl of great value. And he goes and he sells everything he has and makes it his very own. Following the thought of, of translation, Jesus going to look for, for people, for those who are valuable to him. If he just finds one, he would give everything for it. I was sitting there that afternoon reading this, and the Holy Spirit just made this so true to me. Sean, you're that one. I knew that I was saved. I knew that he had been born again. I knew that, that, that Jesus had died on the cross for me. I knew that he had given me himself. And he says, Sean, if you were the only one to ever believe in me, 
I would still give everything for you. And my just began to weep because it reminded me that I was lovable, that he loved me that much, that he cares for me that much, that he has a plan for me that I could never comprehend in my own understanding, that there's this value, this intrinsic value that he looks at me with, that I have, that I possess. The same is for you. We know that I'm not the only one in this world that's ever been saved or ever will be saved. We know that there's many pearls, and you're, you're one of them, that he loves you. He understands where you've been. He understands what you've done. He understands more about you than you could ever understand yourself. He knows even the hairs of your head, the scripture says. He knows your thoughts even before you even speak them or think about speaking them. He knows the length of your days, the days of your life, even before you've lived one. And yet he values you. He loves you. He loves us enough to give everything to make us his very own. That was mind-blowing to me. It was overwhelming that this Jesus knew everything about me. And unlike my earthly dad, that, that I was his and basically image of him, likeness of him, and yet he rejected me, this God that knew everything about me and yet wanted me, loved me, invited me, gave everything for me. This set me free. The Holy Spirit was saying, Sean, I want to take your rejection and give you my acceptance. I want you to know deep down inside of you, Sean, that you are lovable and are accepted. How could this exchange even be offered? How can this rejection be taken off of me and this acceptance be placed within me. Well, Isaiah's prophecy speaks about this and about how the Messiah's ministry would provide such an exchange. Again, in Isaiah 53, verses 1 and 3, it says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we hid him not esteemed of him. It says in no uncertain terms that the Messiah would simply be despised, forsaken, and rejected. Three different times in, in those couple of verses does it use those words despised or, or, or forsaken. Jesus, the creator of the world, would come into his own in John's gospel, as it says in John chapter 1, and his own would reject him. In Mark's gospel, it says that even his own family rejected him and thought that he was out of his mind and came to take him up. Later on in the gospel, some scholars even believe the reference upon the cross is a rejection of the Father upon Jesus, for Jesus. In Mark chapter 15 Verse 34, it says, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
The scholars would say that this is when Jesus took the full immersion, the baptism of sin of the world, your sin and my sin, our rejection, because he was rejected by the Father. The Father couldn't look upon it. At that time, at that moment, the scholars would say that the, the Father turned his head, reject, forsook the Son, so that we, by faith in him, could be accepted. Jesus was despised, forsaken, and rejected. He endured that so that you and me and people who are like us, who feel unlovable or unworthy, rejected or forsaken, or able to give love but never able to receive it, could have this exchange. The exchange is being accepted and totally lavished by the love of the Father. Not just having an understanding of loving, being loved by the Father, but being lavished in that love and knowing deep down within you that you are loved by the Father. John's, John's gospel, Jesus says this in John 15, 9, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide, live in that love. Don't just visit that love. Don't just ride by that love. You live in that love. Jesus said that he loved us, just like the fathers loved us. He commands us to live in that love. How can we live in that love if we are rejected, if we feel unlovable, if we feel unworthy? Well, it says here in even now, and allow the Holy Spirit to implant His Word, His truth, and to take off from us that spirit of rejection, that lie from the enemy and from circumstances that we are unworthy, that we are unlovable. God has not created garbage. He has not created junk. He has created man, and it is good. And he sees value in you and I. So much value that he came looking. So much value that he would give everything to make us his. I came to an understanding that I, I never had a dad who, who loved me or who wanted me. But I've always had a father who's loved me and who wants me and who wants me to live in that lavish love that he has for me. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He loves you. I want to pray for you and I just would like for you to repeat after me as we go to pray. Say, Father, Thank you for the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for taking my rejection and giving me your acceptance that I am loved by the Father. Just as he has loved you, he loves me. Help me, Lord, to walk 
and live in that lavish love the Father has for me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all the way. See you next time on Sean and the Word.